This is the Sunday Worship Podcast. Hello and welcome to Worship on Salvationist Radio. I'm Beth Gibson and I'm from Territorial Headquarters and it's a privilege to share in worship with you this day. Our guest speaker today is Captain Rob Westwood-Payne, Corps Officer at Maidenhead, and he is going to be speaking to us about Jesus' last words to his disciples before he ascended to heaven which is going to prepare us really well for Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit next Sunday. At the start of our time together, let's pray. We gather today to worship the one who created us, the one who calls us, the one who equips us, the one who loves us without end, with joyful hearts, Let us worship God. Amen. As part of our worship today, we're going to spend some time praying specifically for the High Council, the group of international leaders that will elect the next general of the Salvation Army in the coming days. They are currently gathered at Sunbury Court in London, and as we approach Pentecost, Let's boldly pray for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit on our international movement. IHQ has shared some prayer topics for us to consider, and as I read each one now, let's uphold the High Council, made up of individual members who are each children of God, who are coming together to make significant decisions on behalf of people across the world. Lord, we pray that you will give the High Council members wisdom. Peace. Courage. Integrity. Encouragement. Strength and perseverance. Hope. Fresh energy and creativity. guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with each other. Never stop praying. That's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Amen.
Instructions are important, aren't they? Almost nothing we buy these days comes without instructions. And in this age of compensation culture, it appears that instructions are becoming longer and more complex, leading to information overload on occasion. This is how Wall Street journalist Joe Queenan recently described it. I bought a sinus rinse the other day, just a basic, no-frills sinus rinse. In making this purchase, I thought that rinsing my sinuses would be a fairly straightforward operation. Boy, was I ever wrong. For starters, there was the packaging. Colourful diagrams and instructions festooned the sinus rinse box, including a long list of the ten advantages of using this particular nasal spray. For example, the nozzle on the Easy Squeeze plastic bottle fits any nasal opening whatsoever. Very important detail for people with virtually invisible nostrils. But the sinus rinse makers were just getting warmed up. Inside the box, I found a 32-page manual with an introduction, testimonials from physicians and customers, warnings about mishandling the device, a full page of instructions for cleaning and disinfecting the unit, and four pages of answers to frequently asked questions about sinus rinses. The manual contained tens of thousands of words, all in tiny, tiny print. It did not explain how to launch an intercontinental ballistic missile, or how to address the king when being admitted to the Order of the Garter. No, it just dealt with the whys and wherefores of using a sinus rinse. It went on and on and on. Modern society suffers from a plague of things that are far too complicated. Having said that, of course, some instructions that you find are just plain stupid. Here's a few of them. On a Sears hairdryer, do not use while sleeping. Printed on the bottom of Tesco tiramisu dessert, do not turn upside down. Found on a Marks and Spencer's bread pudding, products will be hot after heating. On Boots Children's Cough Medicine, do not drive a car or operate machinery after taking this medication. On Nitol's Sleep Aid, warning, may cause drowsiness. On a child's Superman costume, wearing of this garment doesn't enable you to fly. On a microwave oven manual, do not use for drying pets. And finally, on a can of air freshener, for use by trained personnel only. Jesus had some final instructions to his followers, fortunately more useful than those sets of instructions. We find them in Acts chapter 1 and verses 6 to 14. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but some day he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of half a mile. When they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Here are the names of those who were present, 
Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. The first of Jesus' final instructions to his followers is to wait. Once, when he was eating with them, it says in Acts chapter 1 verse 4, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. Do not leave Jerusalem, Jesus says. Wait a few days. Don't go rushing off into the world to tell them of my resurrection. Have you ever found yourself with a child who's been told to wait? Perhaps you've been in a car on a long journey with a small child asking you every 100 yards or so, are we nearly there yet? Well, that's pretty much what the disciples' response to Jesus was. When the disciples were with Jesus, they kept asking him, verse 6 says, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Are we nearly there yet, the disciples appear to be saying. We're not great at waiting, are we? Theologian William Willimon writes, Waiting, an onerous burden for us computerized and technically impatient moderns who live in an age of instant everything, is one of the tough tasks of the church. Our waiting implies that the things which need doing are beyond our ability to accomplish solely by our own effort, our programs and crusades. Some other empowerment is needed. Therefore, the church waits and prays. So you might be able to imagine those first century disciples reluctantly going back to Jerusalem in the upstairs room and waiting. How long do we have to wait for? How will we know when the Holy Spirit comes? What will happen? When do we get out of here? But despite these questions, our passage tells us the disciples all joined together constantly in prayer. Despite their unanswered questions, despite fretting over what they couldn't predict, they spoke to the only one who knew the future. They opened themselves to God and to his leading to prepare them for whatever was coming. They spent valuable time seeking God and his plan. Prayer is a great theme of the book of Acts. It's mentioned 31 times. And the apostles prayed together. That word united in Greek literally means with one mind or passion. They were with one mind in prayer. They were united in prayer. They were in union together as a praying community. And they prayed constantly. They prayed resolutely with obstinate persistence. The other instruction that Jesus gave to his followers was that they would be his witnesses. This is a core commission in Acts. It's a recurring message. The word witness occurs 39 times in the book. You and I are to be witnesses for Jesus. But what does it mean to be a witness? It means to proclaim and demonstrate Jesus' leadership in our own lives. It is to tell our stories of forgiveness and redemption. It is to tell others how God has changed and transformed us. It is to demonstrate that change through our lifestyle, our actions and our love for the world. Now I see that witness in salvationists and Christians every day. I see people living lives of obedience and simplicity. I see people going the extra mile in serving others. 
I see and hear stories of people picking up their phones to others, writing cards and letters, running errands, providing community services of all sorts of different shades. I see it in words of encouragement over social media, texts and WhatsApp. I see it in the joy and the hope and the struggle that people share when they come together to worship. Jesus tells us to wait for the Holy Spirit power to come upon us. But when the Holy Spirit does come upon us, we become those fountains of power that we long to be. And as we do so, we can witness to his Holy Spirit power in our lives and the difference it makes for us and the difference it can make in the lives of others. May God richly bless us as we witness to him and to his power in our homes, in our villages, towns and cities, in our nation and across the world. God bless you.
Let us pray together. Almighty God, we come today reminded of your greatness and glory, your sovereign power and eternal purpose, all expressed so wonderfully in Jesus Christ, our Lord, risen and ascended. We thank you for the wonder of ascension, that marvellous yet mysterious moment in the life of the Apostles, which left them gazing heavenwards in confusion, yet departing in joy. We thank you for the way that it brought the earthly ministry of Jesus to a fitting conclusion, signifying his oneness with you and demonstrating your final seal of approval on all that he had done. We thank you that through his ascension, Jesus is now set free to be Lord of all, no longer bound to a particular place or time, but with us always, able to reach even to the ends of the earth. We thank you that through his departing, Jesus prepared for his coming again, through his Spirit, his Church, and his coming again in glory. Gracious God, we ask you to forgive us for so often failing to grasp the wonder of ascension, for living each day as though it had never been. Forgive the smallness of our vision, the narrowness of our outlook, the weakness of our love, the nervousness of our witness, our repeated failure to recognise the fullness of your revelation in Christ. Give us each a deeper sense of wonder, a stronger faith, and a greater understanding of all you have done. Father God, like the Apostles, we too will never fully understand all ascension means. We accept, but we do not fully understand. We believe, yet we have many questions. Help us despite our uncertainty, to hold firm to the great truth that the wonder of Christ Jesus goes far beyond anything we can ever imagine. And in that faith, may we live each day to his glory and honour. Amen. Thank you for worshipping with us today. And our thanks to Captain Rob for opening God's word. Let's continue to pray for the High Council and our international leaders in the days to come. For the latest updates, please visit IHQ's website, salvationarmy.org. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you this day and the days to come. Amen.